0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking
1: requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
2: Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic to cosplay to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. We are continuing our little Ryan Murphy revisit, which, as I've said before, is going to become an annual thing because this is the man that will never leave my side. He's always just right here next to me. Not really. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, there he is. I see him. No. (laughs) Siding over there in the corner. He's going to pop out and scare the crap out of us. But I do love his shows as much as some of them drive me crazy. I love them. But today we are talking about a movie that he directed. And this, I think, is the best thing so far that we have covered for Ryan Murphy. And that is The Normal Heart. And if you haven't watched The Normal Heart, please go watch it. It's on HBO Max. And it's an amazing movie. It will infuriate you, but it is an important story to tell because I think we still forget that in the 80s, when the AIDS crisis began, no one was taking it seriously. People were just letting people die and didn't care. And of course, that was because a lot of gay men were dying. And so that's what this is about. It's about a gay activist. Ned Weeks, played by Mark Ruffalo, who attempts to raise HIV and AIDS awareness during the early 1980s. And you will hear me, if you're a Ronald Reagan fan, I don't know why you're listening. No, <laughs> no but you're going to hear me. I, I think Ronald Reagan was, was horrible. No, I'm not. I, I don't care that, you know, I'm not going to respect the dead because a lot of blood is on his hands because he could have done more and he didn't and actually wanted to take funding away. So no. But this also stars Matt Bomer, who we love Matt Bomer, and um, Taylor Kitsch, who is so damn good in this movie, Joe Mantello, B.D. Wong, Julia Roberts, Jim Parsons, Um, a very early appearance by Chris Sullivan, who, if you're a This Is Us fan, plays Toby on This Is Us. I just kind of threw that out there. He's not important, really, in the movie, but (laughs) throwing it out there, Dennis O'Hare, And then, of course, Finn Wittrock in his first appearance in a Ryan Murphy vehicle. And he's in this very briefly, but he is incredibly good and and incredibly heartbreaking. So I want to just say before I have everybody introduce themselves, my two lovely guest panelists from two amazing podcasts, I just want to say a quick little trigger warning here, because even though this isn't like Ryan Murphy-esque in the fact of like watching people get tortured and all that American horror story stuff. This is a lot about homophobia, and we will be talking about that. So if that stuff triggers you at all, just a heads up on that. So, yep. Okay, well, I have two amazing guest podcasts on, Ishelle from Liberty Diner Dish and my podcast brain twin, Jen, from my streaming bubble. And as I said on our last episode, Ratchet, because of Ishelle and Liberty Diner Dish, this podcast has gained viewers, e- listeners, not viewers, well, I guess viewers if they watch our live streams, has gained listeners because of the guest appearances that I have been lucky enough to make on there talking about the amazing, wonderful, complicated, complex character, Brian Kinney, or Brian Sex on Legs Kinney, as I like to refer to him. <laughs> so, Ishael, I'm so happy to have you back on. So, what are you into right now, in um. Well, first, I'm
0: so excited to be back on. I uh, have been by myself for the past three days, and I was like, friend interaction. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah. But um, so I okay. These days, I am pre gaming to watch RuPaul's Drag Race. So I haven't actually watched any seasons, but I've watched like clips and I've looked at people's you know stuff online and YouTube videos and junk like that because. Ken and I are still trying to figure out what we're doing next after we finish Queer as Folk. And so we're saving a lot of queer content for us to consider at the end. So I'm just kind of pre-gaming to watch RuPaul's Drag Race. But I'm enjoying that.
2: Awesome. So that's one that you're considering covering then for your show?
0: Not exactly in that way, but um, but it might spark some other conversations that we're going to have. So,
2: yeah. Awesome. Yeah. we did an episode last year during uh, Pride Month. We did an episode about RuPaul's Drag Race. I need so. to go
0: find that one. I don't know how I missed that one. I'll go find it.
2: <laughs> and I like that show. I will say, the song, the theme song, the opening song, I was like, why doesn't Hulu have a skip an yeah. intro song? Because that song got on my nerves after a while, I will say. <laughs> yeah. 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 So Jen, my podcast brain twin, what are you into right now? I'm currently trying to finish the final season of
1: Killing Eve, so I've got a couple episodes of that left, but I was watching, so I was watching last night, and I got in, like, two episodes, I think, before I fell asleep, (laughs) and I also woke up, and, like, my YouTube was up, so I was watching pop videos as well in between, like, (laughs) God forbid I focus on one thing at a time, but... uh, (laughs) So, yeah, watching, trying to finish off uh, Killing Eve, and I've really enjoyed this series. Jodie Comer, Sandra Oh are fucking amazing in it, and I love it. And even just watching the episodes last night, there were points where I was just like, no, they did not just do that. And then I smiled and I'm like, I love this show.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have not watched that show, which is really surprising. But I've not watched that show. It, it'll someday. It'll be a podcast episode. That's how I watch all these shows. Mm-hmm. So someday, mm-hmm. yes, yes, that's a, yeah. I heard a lot of thoughts on the internet about the the finale. Yes, I haven't. I've been steering clear, so I'm
1: hoping I can finish tonight and then move on with more TV watching, <laughs> <laughs> and then catch up on what every, everyone's thoughts are. So yeah,
2: yeah. Well. What I'm into, it's so hard for me to be into anything that's not podcast prep, but uh, John Oliver always gets a shout out on this show because Last Week Tonight with John Oliver is one of the best shows on television. I think everybody should watch it. So a shout out to that. I I was watching a couple episodes last weekend, just kind of binging him in a way. And I just think he is so brilliant and that show is so brilliant, all the writing on that show. And it's so accurate. There are so many times when I'm like clapping at what he's saying. And um, yeah, so I think everybody should watch that show. I think you could learn something from him. You know, that's on HBO, if you didn't know. And so this is on HBO too. So I think HBO, I want to say really quickly, I think HBO Max is one of the best streaming platforms out there right now. So and I get to watch the Batman soon. Since it's gonna be an Max. I'm so excited because Batman, I don't care what anybody says. Batman and Catwoman, they're the two best superheroes out there. Catwoman is a superhero. So yes. Yeah. Okay, so I just want to ask everybody's overall thoughts on the film. So Ishelle, was this your first time watching it? It
0: was. And I wanna start with how dare you, Aaron, make me watch this movie. <laughs> Uh, yeah this and I intentionally saved like I signed up to do this one a long time ago but I intentionally waited until closer to time to record so I wouldn't lose anything or forget anything and so yes first time to watch it and yeah overall and it'll be a miracle if I can make it through our whole podcast today without crying but overall very well done and I'm very familiar with Larry Kramer there's a story arc in chorus Folk that he is kind of, there's a character who's an amalgamation of several different people. And Larry Kramer is one of them. And uh, so I've done a lot of research on him. I read the novel that Ned Weeks is um, in the beginning, the one that he, that they are referring to. And so anyway, my, after seeing it that first time, I was angry and I was sad and um just like why is this not in our history books everywhere or maybe I'm crazy for thinking it should be there um but yeah so very well done great movie great acting and such an important and heartbreaking story
2: yeah, yeah. and and thank you for saying I should have said that that a lot of these characters are based on real people but some of the names are different and they're kind of like a. so thank you for pointing that out. I should have pointed that out there in the beginning so thank you Um, but yeah i'm sorry to torture you and put you through pain (laughs) so jen i know this wasn't your first time watching this so but but what are your overall thoughts on the? i i love this movie i love and
1: slash quote air quotes hate this movie um but it's you know, like Michelle said, it's so wonderfully done. I think the performances are amazing and it's such an emotional gut punch and you, you feel the anger that Ned exhibits. And I swear I'm like absorbing it via TV osmosis. And I'm like, I'm just getting angrier and sadder and then angry. But overall, I, I love this movie. It's a very important movie. And I think anyone that hasn't seen it should, prepare emotionally (laughs) but they it's it's really really good and i i highly recommend it so
2: yeah and and also if you didn't know this is based on a play uh also called the normal heart and larry kramer wrote the play and also did the screenplay for this so just to let you know and then of course ryan murphy directed it you know, I watched this for the first time, not too long ago, it was a couple of months ago in preparation for my guest appearance on Streaming Bubble to talk about, uh, to talk about Finn Whitrock. And I had thought, I, I thought I'd seen it. And then I was watching and I'm like, I haven't seen this. And it was so good, but so infuriating and heartbreaking. And even though there has been some progress and change, I think... What's so sad to me about it is how slow that progress and change has been, and how it still feels like people still want to ignore it. I know recently there has been that medical breakthrough that they might have found, like a vaccine, uh, which is amazing. I never thought I would see that in my lifetime, and so I'm hopeful for that. I know there's been a lot of changes with medicine and 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 stuff, and not as much wanting to ignore it, but I still think there is some of that prejudice and homophobia and stuff surrounding this. And that is what is so sad to me. And I was a kid during, you know, I was a young, young kid during the early eighties, but I, my mom had friends that died of AIDS. And so I'd seen that up close and I had a teacher that died of AIDS and When the teacher died, it was interesting because we went to like a funeral and everyone knew, but no one would say. It was like this very hush-hush thing. So no one was going to say it because of the fact that he had been around kids. And so they thought, well, we can't say that's what he died of. And that was the way it was talked about a lot. This was a very hush-hush thing. The way they treated bodies of the bodies of men who died of AIDS and where they, if you've watched the show Pose, they talk a lot about that and show the, it's horrible. The graves and how they just dumped bodies in there and these graves that were on an island in New York and outside of New York City. And the callousness, the, you know, the scene in here when uh, Finn Wittrock's character dies is One of the most disgusting things I have ever seen, and it's disgusting because that's what happened, and the way they stuffed his body into a garbage bag. And his mom is breaking down. And it's just, it's so sad to see because it's like humanity is just gone and people don't have any humanity for these people that are suffering and dying and don't, people don't care and so it's so fre- it's so infuriating watching this and it's so heartbreaking and sad and it's just it's just where hatred and where any kind of phobia can lead to is so so awful and despicable and i am kind of shocked when i watched this that it didn't come to the point where there were here internment camps for people or like little, because you could see that that could have very easily happened. So, and that's something that could still happen today. I want to say with a lot of different things. So that's another reason this is so scary and, and sad to watch. Uh, so I know this is kind of a weird question, maybe to ask who your favorite character is, but there are so many great characters in here and so many great performances. So I just want to know if there's any character or person you want to give a, a shout out to in here. I shall.
0: Yeah, I mean they were all great, and um, but I do want to. I have a couple that I want to talk about. So one is Mark. Um, is it Ruffalo? I usually say that wrong. Okay, uh, him playing Ned Weeks, of course, because I think he captured that anger, but also that fear that kind of forces you to be that angry. But also there was a there were hints of the self consciousness about him, probably a product of being of growing up. Um, and having your parents and your brother tell you that you're not equal and that you're sick and something's wrong with you and being forced to treatment and therapy, probably something very similar to some type of conversion therapy or something like that. So I felt like he perfectly captured that because it could just be Ned yelling all the time. <laughs> and so <laughs> I do think that he did add some more of those layers to, to that character. I really liked Tommy Boatwright, played by Jim Parsons, because he maintained a lot of compassion. I mean, they're dealing with very heavy stuff and He's the one trying to mediate and keep the peace very often. And he was a hospital administrator, I think is what he was. Yeah. And so I really just liked that he kept that compassion about him. Um, but uh, there was a scene with, I can't remember the guy's name, but he plays Mickey, where he has this incredible monologue. And I mean, that was perfectly delivered. So want to give a shout out to him as well.
2: Yeah, and that was Joe Mant- Mantello. Yeah, that scene where he does that and then he gets angry and then he goes and attacks Ned was just, yeah, yeah. And Jim Parsons' character having the Rolodex and taking out the, oh my gosh, taking the names of when when men die. It's, oh, that was so sad. So, Jen? Oh, yeah, I a lot of
1: really, really great performances. Um, my favorite is is Tommy. But yeah, there's a lot of really great speeches and rants monologues whatever you want to call them from a lot of different characters uh in this movie which kind of adds to that that anger that fear and all the emotions that you absorb through it cuz you're like yeah 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 um but Tommy Tommy for all all the same reasons compassionate he's very kind of level headed a bit more logical compared to Ned and and everything and tries to almost tries to mediate between bruce and ned of like you know ned you have to calm down but you have points here and bruce you know it's so he does a really good job in all of that and yeah the rolodex cards holy shit that was so fucking heartbreaking and even his like eulogy for one of the characters that wanted to be like a big broadway star and everything and it's you know they it's He does a really good job, and I'm not uh, a fan of The Big Bang Theory. I kind of hate that show, but over the years, seeing Jim Parsons and other things, I've come to really like him as an actor, so he's kind of, like, he popped up in, like, season two of Staged, which is on Hulu with David Tennant and Michael Sheen, kind of playing a a version of himself, and it was really funny and really kind of sweet and subtle and everything, and he's only in it for a few minutes, but... Um, and then he's in the Netflix series Special, which is also really super good and should have deserved a couple more seasons. Um, so I've I've enjoyed Jim over the years in non uh, Big Bang Theory roles, and this one has got to be like the top one for me for him. And he did such a good job with with that uh, Tommy person character. So he was definitely. it's kind of hard to pick because they all have really great points and everything. And, but I really liked that compassion. And I think for me, it's when Estelle shows up and she had just lost her friend and she wants to help. And he just embraces her, gives her a hug and he's like, well, we need someone to man the phones. And she's like, well, I don't know how to do that. And he's like, neither do I. Mm -hmm. And then he punched like a protester. So that was really cool. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Yeah. And and he is another staple of Ryan Murphy if you don't know. He uh, he's never as far as I remember been in any American horror story, but he's in Hollywood and it's very interesting to watch this while I'm watching Hollywood because in Hollywood he is Oh my gosh, he's such a creep in Hollywood. He's so awful if you've seen Hollywood he shall.
0: I have and yes, he is very much a creep in
2: that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But yeah, he's in that, and he also, uh, there's another, which we'll probably cover this next year, but there's another Ryan Murphy vehicle where Ryan Murphy redid the boys in the band.
0: Yeah, I saw that one too. Um,
2: and Matt Bomer's also in that one too. And Jim Parsons is a very uh, interesting character, to say the least, in that one too. So I love him in this because, uh, you know, that, that's 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 one of my favorite characters, but I love him in this because he's... Oh, he's got such a tough job, his character does, because he's trying to be the neutral one. He's trying to take, you know, not take a side and be on everybody's side. And I think it's so hard for him because he's put in the middle so much when it comes to Ned. Like, when they all decide they don't want him to be part of the organization anymore. And they have that letter they wrote and they're reading it. And you can see Ned's like, well, why aren't you sticking up for me? I thought you'd be the one sticking up for me. And he's just like... "I." you know i i can't i'm trying to fight this and trying to do, and trying to do what's best for everybody and i was outvoted and you know and i always felt watching him and watching his body language that he kind of had a major crush on ned and i think for him it was very hard personally to you know turn his back on him but he also wanted to be able to help people and he had so many friends dying and so i felt for him a lot but uh i want to call out bruce because Oh man, my heart just aches for him because he keeps losing lover after lover and people that, and men that he is so madly in love with. And, you know, while I understand what Ned is doing and I understand his anger and his frustration his frustration that more people aren't wanting to come out of the closet and stand up. And, uh, I understand that, but at times Ned crosses a line and doesn't respect his friends and you should never out someone when they don't want to be outed. And the whole scene where he has that news crew there and Bruce is there saying, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't give a release. And he's like, he's in the closet. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, do not do that to your friend. Mm-hmm. I understand you want them to fight and you're frustrated because people aren't fighting, but he is fighting. He just isn't doing it. Maybe the way you're doing it, but he's fighting and he has lost so much. And at times, Ned, I think, forgets about that part, the, hum- the actual human impact of this. And is just so wrapped up in wanting to, you know, be out there for the cause and, you know, and and get funding and get money, which is great. But he forgets the human element. And Bruce is the one on the receiving end of that, I think, more than any other character. Uh, Felix, to an extent, but I think really Bruce, because they're best friends and, they have that dynamic and so I really really oh my gosh when he tells the scene of when Ben Whitrock's character dies and watching his face because before that he was like I can't lose another guy I love and then he loses another guy he loves is just oh that that trauma and that pain and that having to pay someone 50 bucks to get the man you love out of the hospital so you can try and have a burial for them or cremation for them. And the fact that they just stuffed him in a garbage bag and having to deal with that and the look on his face is just so, oh my gosh, that, that was the most painful scene, I think. in the whole entire movie is to watch that whole thing, that whole thing from the airplane all the way uh, was just, just, oh, soul crushing. Um, so I really like him, and I think the performance is incredible. And I just briefly want to call out a scene because I think it it describes who the character of Ned is so perfectly. When Ned and Felix are having their first date, <laughs> and Ned is just sitting there talking about all these things of, you know, how how um, Jewish people didn't do enough with Hitler and all this stuff. He's just talking, and then <laughs> Felix is like, well, this is a very romantic date. <laughs> then when he just kisses him like intensely kisses him and then goes back to talking about the same thing and the look on his face when he's like and you don't remember me do you either that was the thing he gets so ned gets so wrapped up in his cause and i think he's just a very insecure character too and he feels like you see that in the first scene where he's like okay i can't go out there and take my shirt off look at all these hard bodies around me i mean mark ruffalo is a flipping damn good looking man so (laughs) but he's got so many insecurities I think because he came out so late and also I think because of the way he was treated by his family and all of that stuff and he doesn't realize how attractive he is like Felix even says you're what you think you're ugly or something you know (laughs) because he keeps saying you're so gorgeous (laughs) which I mean it's Matt Bomer so of course he's gorgeous Mm -hmm. yeah but I just I think that scene is so cute and funny and (laughs) But yeah, so Uh, we've already kind of talked about this a little bit, but Isha, what are your thoughts on the cast overall and their performances?
0: Like I've kind of said already, everybody did a great job. I did. There's always that question of should this have solely been portrayed by characters who identify somewhere in the queer community? I know some of them are, some of them do, but some of the actors do not. And so there's always that whole question. Um, I know there's another one that you mentioned earlier, and I'll kind of let you talk about that. And so that that's always a kind of ongoing discussion with things. There's like you want to praise this person for the work they did in this role, but it's like, but should I want you in that role? And so that's kind of something that always plays in my mind. But I do feel like they all delivered perfectly on this material.
2: Yeah, that that is always a question I have, especially and and Ryan Murphy things. You'll see it all the time where. He does have a lot of people that are straight who do play a lot of gay men or bisexual characters or, you know. So there is always that question I know now, especially like, you know, should it just be – because this? I think this cast is kind of almost 50-50. A lot of the men are, you know, like Jim Parsons and Matt Bomer and stuff and Dennis O'Hare. But I know a lot of people, you know, aren't like Mark Ruffalo and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. So, Jen, your overall thoughts? Um. Yeah, just everyone does a
1: really great job. I would agree. The first time I watched it, and I'm kind of going through the cast list on IMDb, and I'm recognizing some of the actors that I know to be out. One of them that I actually didn't know until I first watched it was he's only in it in the beginning. He's the one I think that first dies, but he stars in Mindhunter, and the actor's name escapes me. I didn't like I didn't know some of these actors were gay until more recently. Like um, that actor and then even B.D. Wong, not until I started watching. (sighs) Mr. Robot, and I was like looking up his IMDb and I was telling my friend, I'm like, not that it's important, but I never knew that. And I've been watching him on Law and Order for years. (laughs) One of my favorites. So I was actually kind of impressed uh, with how many uh, gay men that they did cast, but not one in the main role of Ned. So in watching it the first time, I was kind of it's like, uh it's, was was Mark really the right choice? but by the end of it, I was like he did a really good fucking job. Mm-hmm. and um, and I just I kind of left it at that. So in, yeah, but everyone, everyone does a great job. I can't really see recasting anyone except for the person you were mentioning earlier which I would agree but I also think that they did a very 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 good job they had their own kind of impassioned speech at one point which was very yeah very like a gut punch pull at the heartstrings and and you know makes you sad and angry sangry Kind of like sangria, <laughs> sangria,
2: way I less like fun. Sangria, yes, way less fun. That's true. Yeah, but sangria, I kind of like that. Yeah, um, yeah.
1: Jonathan Groff is the actor that I was thinking of. So, kudos to to everyone. Big big roles, smaller roles. I thought they all did a really, really, really great job.
2: Yeah, and and um what we've what everyone's been alluding to is uh Julia Roberts is in this and Julia Roberts plays Dr. Emma Bruckner, and that is my critique is that's a big thing you um need to cast, and and Ryan Murphy has done this before with Glee. One of the main characters in Glee is a wheelchair user, and he cast someone who was not a wheelchair user. So he tried to make up for it, I think. Later, where there was an episode in Glee, and um, there were a lot of disabled actors playing the characters. So, you know, those actors—it's—it's it's not like there aren't disabled actors in the world because there are. Um, you can use them. I mean, I know you—you you know, nine one one. You have—I mean, you've been very good with. I'm talking to you, Ryan, personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he's there. Yeah, this is actually an area where sometimes Ryan is not as bad about. I mean, he, the way he casts and, and creates characters with Down syndrome, I want that's one of the biggest things I will always applaud him for. Because what he has done, I know Jamie Brewer from AHH American Horror Story has had a real impact on the community and has been kind of a hero and an idol for a lot of people. And he has done really well with creating three-dimensional characters in that realm. But this is kind of off-putting now, watching it. And this is from 2014, but that's not that long ago. And, you know, so that's the one area that is kind of, kind of annoying. And, and I always go back and forth with the casting of straight actors in these roles. I do not think, for trans characters, I think it's very, very crucial to cast trans actors. I think that is, like, essential So then I'm like, well, then I should think it's essential for this, but it's hard because I don't, because I'm so mixed on it. And I also feel like sometimes like it's not my place to say because I'm, because I'm straight. So I'm like, it's not really my place to say if someone should or shouldn't play a role. So I kind of, but there's also mixed feelings among the community too. So, you know, um, I think, you know, I think Mark Ruffalo is one of the best actors out there. So I can't, I don't really have any critique of his performance. But I do think it would have been interesting to see someone in the character of the, in the main role who was a gay man. Um, I think that might, and I don't know in the play, I don't know, you know, in the stage versions if there have been um, gay actors playing those roles or not. But yeah, but, but I, there are a lot of gay men in here, like we have said, and, and, you know, Matt Bomer is essentially the co-lead kind of he's like one of the other main characters so but yeah yeah I mean it's a very very iffy touchy thing and you know I do want to say for a creator Ryan Murphy who you know if you don't know Ryan Murphy is an out gay man as well but he does have a lot of homophobic elements to a lot of stuff he has created so I think it, it's really interesting when he does stuff that has to deal so much with homophobia, like as its subject matter. And I'm always very uh, cautious about that because of the way he's handled that with stuff like Nip Tuck and American Horror Story to an extent as well. And he's done a lot of Bury Your Gaze and crap like that. And Nip Tuck is one of the most homophobic and transphobic shows you will ever watch, ever. And so I think he deals sometimes with eternalized homophobia there. So whenever he's dealing with stuff like this, I, I, I hesitate. But I think this is so well done. And I think it's because of the script. So I think it would have been very hard for him to ruin this. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, it would have been really hard for him to do any kind of icky, weird, iffy things, and he doesn't. and he handles this with care and he directs it with care. And I think it's I think the directing in this is really good, I want to say, really phenomenal directing. And man, does he know how to cast stuff? This is why he gets away with everything. and this is why people love his stuff. I really think that's part of it because he works with incredible actors. 99.99% of the actors that he works with are amazing and so super talented. And I, I, all of this cast, everyone in this, even Julia Roberts, even though I have a problem with that casting, she is amazing in this. I want to say she's amazing at playing this character that is so hardened by her own life. And also the fact that she is dealing with all of these dying patients. And no one will flip and listen to her and no one gives a crap and she can't get anyone in the community to listen to her either until she meets Ned. And so watching her struggle with that and not wanting to come off as vulnerable and not be vulnerable. And when she has, I love the scene with her and Ned when they're having dinner and then they have that little dance and, um, for some reason that makes me want to cry, but I think it's such a sweet moment because they're both, they're both so afraid of being vulnerable in real life, in their in their lives, outside of their activism. And so it's this moment of these two very strong, scared—they're really scared—people having this vulnerable moment with each other, where they can relax for a moment. And they're like, "We're gonna have this beautiful little dancing mo- dance moment," and it's so beautiful. I love that scene. I think that's one of the best scenes, also in. In this movie, it's so sweet and, and endearing. And I love their relationship watching it and watching her be like every time she goes and visits a patient because these patients were kept away from other patients and treated like garbage. And people wouldn't bring their food in and wouldn't fix their televisions and all this horrible stuff. And watching her refuse to ever put on protective gear and watch sorry and go in there and hold the hands of these men while they're dying i mean it was just and there were people that did that and and that was just beautiful to watch people not give into that fear and to embrace love and caring and what a doctor is supposed to really be and do and so even though i have an issue with the casting thing she was so good and the character is so beautiful and wonderful that it's it's amazing to watch her and it just yeah so i
1: think my favorite scene with her is um at the end with ned and felix getting married you see that hardness but also that softness but then also her just trying to hold it together and And then, be happy for the two of them. But also, she's got so much emotion going on in her face that it is just heartbreaking. And it's, again, it's that sangry feeling. It's all of those like not happy emotions. And I would agree that she does do a very, very, very good job with conveying all of that. And I, I agree with the uh, representation. And it may have been more of an issue if she sucked at this role, but she, I thought she did <laughs> yeah. a very good job and, um, and I don't know anything about polio, but it seemed like, uh, her character would, would have like little bouts of like shortness of breath. Is that, cause she did that really well too, if that's a, a long-term thing of, of polio, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, that, that's the, that's the scene of hers that gets to me.
0: Yeah. I have a qu- Okay, well, the scene of hers that I really love was when she's in that lecture hall. I mean, I love the two that you guys mentioned, but that lecture hall scene is just everything to me where she is like, if you're going to deny my funding for this research, you need to tell me why, because I've given you hard evidence that people are dying and it's only going to get worse. And so you need to just, I'm not going to justify anything to you. You need to justify to me why you're not taking this seriously. But my question for you guys was, did you pick up on a little something that she might have had toward Ned?
2: A little bit. I think in the in the scene that I pointed to when mm-hmm. they had that dance, I think there was a little tiny bit of that. Uh, but I don't think it was ever like, I, I think it was something that, you know, can happen if you are working with someone so closely like yeah. that. And you're so alike and this is the first person that's actually listening to you. Mm-hmm. And you know, as someone who has had a lot of gay men in her life, it can happen. You can yeah. very easily develop the feelings for that man. And so I, you know, because you're only human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, but I, I did, I yeah, I did kind of. I don't know. Did you, Jen? You know, I didn't. But in kind of
1: looking back, I, I think I can see like these little moments between the two characters, and maybe it's was more or less. In in watching it, just kind of chalking it up to yeah, here's two people that believe very passionately about this one cause, and they are both fighting really really hard to try and get anywhere with it. So I felt like there was that kind of mutual respect and understanding, and kind of appreciation for each other, and then and then a little bit of um, back and forth. Well, what's your side doing? Well, we're doing this. What are you guys doing? So I did sense like a closeness, but nothing that would be anywhere close to maybe romantic, maybe a little bit more just like a sibling kind of thing, maybe. But I wasn't I I, I was maybe just too too sangry to pick up on anything remotely positive
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, in that in that scene where they are dancing together. Like she's really enjoying that moment. And you can mm-hmm. see where she has really she really sinks into that moment with him. And then he mentions something about Felix and then she's like, put me back in my, in my chair. And I think, I don't think she had any intention of acting on it, Um, but I think it was, it was something that showed a little more humanity to her because like we were saying, she is a very hardened person. And so I think if if anything, it was probably just for that, for that reason to, to put that in there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, yeah. And I think they were overall like best friends. And I think they really got each other in a way that other people didn't. Like she could get why Ned was the way he was because a lot of people were so frustrated with Ned constantly. And I could understand being frustrated with Ned. Like I've said before, he can be very frustrating and he's so like, he's so dogged about everything. And he's just like, just so serious all the time. And I can see that. And he would be hard. It'd be hard to be in a relationship with him, you know? Um, I think it was hard for Felix at times to be in a relationship with him. And I think for Felix, when Felix is, you know, sick and, and really sick when they go out to that cabin and, you know, and he's just like, Ned is just like, Oh, no, we're going to get, you're going to get well. And you're going to get well, and you're going to get well, and no, you're not going to eat that crap. You're going to eat this healthy stuff. And, Felix is just kind of like, I think at that point, like, fuck you, man. This is me who I'm the one dying. You're not the one dying. And, you know, like my life expectancy is like two seconds or whatever he says in that in that scene. And so I think for him, you know, it was hard because even though that optimism is great, at the same time, not seeing the actual picture can take away from the time you're having with the person. I think that's a lot of what Felix was trying to communicate. So I think that would be a hard thing uh, to be in a relationship with. And I think that's why Ned and Emma were just so close because of the fact that they were so similar in a lot of respects. And you, But you need that to make any kind of headway in this kind of movement. You need a lot of people like that, I think, because they won't give up and they'll be determined to do something and they don't care what happens to them. But like I said, sometimes, you know, their friends can suffer some consequences like Bobby, but yeah. this is probably where some of us are really going to lose it here but i, I want to talk about these next two things are but how well the film i not how well do, not even a question because i think this film handles it very well but how well the film tackles talking about the start of the aids crisis something that i still don't think we actually talk about enough as we should or as much as we should so echelle what are your thoughts on that so
0: I like how it starts out with these guys at Fire Island and they are having the time of their lives and they're having this white party and they're like orgies everywhere. And it's just kind of they are living this freedom that they have recently gained. I mean, at this time in the early 80s, I mean, some states still had sodomy laws on the books. And so in here in New York and in a couple other major cities, they were enjoying this new liberation. So I like how the movie starts out with that where it's just, we're gay, we're happy, we're queer, we're here. <laughs> and, you know, and it's just, you, you start with that, but then they don't know that this thing is already upon them. And so we see that with Craig, who is uh, Bruce's partner at the time and where he's on the beach and they're just throwing a football around. And all of a sudden he kind of nearly faints They're on the beach and everybody's kind of like, "Whoa, well, what's going on? but then they get back to it. But you can see in his face, definitely later at the birthday party, he knows something is not right with him. And so I like how they start with that journey of, let's just live in our newfound freedom to be who we are and how we are and have sex with who we want to, however often we want to. And then it goes into this whole thing of where, okay, we notice that there's something going on, some gay men are having this thing and it looks like, some type of gay cancer, even just so they're calling it that is messed up. But that's what it was in the beginning, this, you know, this gay disease or whatever. And so they're like, something's going on, but we don't really know what it is. And all of the early advice was, well, you just need to stop having sex. Well, that makes it sound like, no, you're just trying to take that freedom away from us again. And so because of that misinformation, and that misdiagnosis of some type of possible treatment or cure, that's why a lot of people wouldn't listen to it, because it felt like you just don't want me to be, to be gay and to be free to do what I want to do. And so I felt like it did show a little bit of that journey also. And then of course, Felix is the character that we kind of see go from beginning to end where he, we see the first um, KS, Kappa C, sarcoma on his foot there. And then of course just becomes full body. And and then of course he dies in the end. And so we get to see that journey as well but with that i feel like they give this suggestion of a lot of other things that were going on at the time like you get to see in a relationship that kind of fear where bruce was afraid to kiss albert because he was like mm-hmm. i don't know if i can get it that way and so you see a little bit of that and then you also see with ned and felix that like the blame game well maybe you're the character carrier maybe you're the one who gave it to me and so you see some of that and you kind of get to see what it might've been like for these men just in their day-to-day relationships and in their friendships. And, and then as we've talked about Tommy with his, with the Rolodex cards and how that started out at five and then how that stack keeps getting thicker. And so they're losing their friends. It's like yesterday I knew one person with it a week later, I know 10 people with it. And even just how the appearance of the chaos on your skin somewhere, how that would force people to be outed. You know, they're out on the subway and they've got this lesion on their face. And automatically now people now people know with um, with Albert's character. He's also kind of forced to come out to his to his mom. Like she didn't know he was gay. She didn't know all this stuff was going on. But because he's dying in that last week, he wants to go and say goodbye to his family. And so you just start to see all of the stuff that went on. It was more than just people just being sick. There was so much more, so much more to it being treated like a leper. And I really liked, I know it's two different two different fights, two different battles, two different things, but I really liked the comparison of Dr. Bruckner being, um, having polio and saying, the kids were afraid of me, people are still afraid of me because it's something that they don't understand. They don't know how they can get it. They think they can get it from me or whatever. And comparing that to, that's how these men were being treated. Nobody wanted to touch them. They were at risk for being fired, for being evicted just all of this junk was going on with them. And so I feel like they had to keep a central storyline, but they did show us all of this other stuff that was happening because of this disease. And one of the main things being how people in local government and federal government were doing practically nothing because Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, you know, this year, 200 gay men died, but what's 200 in millions? The next year, 800. What's 800 in millions? But it's like the percent, the rate of increase is ridiculous. And why isn't that getting attention? So I just really feel like it made it more than just, I'm upset because people are dying. Nobody's doing anything. It really showed us a lot of the other psychological effects and societal effects that were happening around the early 80s in AIDS and HIV. And Jen? Oh, that
1: was very well said. Yeah. I'm not sure what else I can add to that. Um, I do like, I agree. I like that they show kind of the personal impact that it had on all these different characters. I was, I was just a baby at the time. And I don't really, my, my first like true memory of kind of learning about AIDS was when Freddie Mercury died. And that's the, and that was in 91. And so But it's always been my understanding that the government really fucked up (laughs) in the early 80s and trying to be proactive or just acknowledging the existence of this new disease and taking people seriously. And there were times throughout the movie where, you know, Ned's going on about like the government, like it's a whole government conspiracy to kill gay men. And I'm like, you know what, after a while, I'd probably start believing that shit, too. I'm not saying it's it wasn't or anything or that it was, but. Anything's possible, right? Mm. So I don't, so I'm not, I'm only familiar with how everything was handled just from the little bit of news and everything since then. And over, over time, you know, you hear less and less and less and less about AIDS and HIV and, you know, and, but it's, so I think they did a really good job kind of capturing the frustration of the people in the 80s. Uh, being affected by the virus, the disease, their anger, their fear, and the anger and fear are surrounding the lack of action. And I, 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 in a way, it's completely justifiable. And you know, like even Ned's kind of more far angry stance. So I think they did. I think they do a really good job, kind of painting that picture for those that weren't around or weren't uh, don't remember any of that. And I think they do a really good job of it's not just headlines and this and that, but here is the actual impact it had on these people. Here are some of their stories, you know? Yeah. The one with Bruce and Albert is God damn. That one is rough city, but those things happen. It's not like they just making shit up for, you know, to get you to watch the movie. So I think they do a really good job. And like I said, again, with absorbing the anger and the sadness via TV osmosis, kind of felt that a lot. And so I I think they do a really good job in kind of showing all of that and not just the political side and not just the personal side, but how these two things intertwined with each other. And even just like the stance of Bruce, And the organization of trying to help people currently living with uh, the virus and, you know, they're getting, um, you know, they're hiring more or getting more volunteer social workers and all this kind of stuff. And they're doing really good work. But NET is only focused on really kind of like the political Mm acknowledgement. But, it, but because in doing that and getting that acknowledgement, then they're able to move forward with maybe more funding and trying to help. So it's a really kind of like a back and forth give and take in terms of emotions and watching these two characters. And so and I'm I do not doubt that there was those conversations and those arguments going on across the board during that time and to kind of paint those sides or whatever portray them. I think they just, it's just a really good movie. And I never would have known that this was a Ryan Murphy project. I know. I know. Other than the fact that it's mostly brunettes and then there's one blonde dude. So I couldn't help but chuckle. I was like, Oh, you're like <laughs> you're little Evan true. Peters before Evan Peters or after Evan Peters. He always got to have a blonde one.
2: <laughs> That's true. That's true. He's, and, and and a lot of the people in here became part of his crew after that and the, you know, with the, the dark hair because Matt Bomer and Finn Wittrock and they, they were all in cause uh freak show was done like mm-hmm. pretty much right after this. And so both Matt Bomer and, and of course, Finn Wittrock is it, it famously in that as Dandy Mott. Uh So yeah, yeah. He's got all this little, yeah
0: sorry i wanted to add one more thing i the scene where ned goes to the white house and he's all excited because he's like finally we we got him to listen like i don't need the mayor mm -hmm. i got the the white house and he goes and he's talking to this guy and being all political and polite and whatnot and then he's like okay but like a straight man can't get this right like i can't get it from a hooker like there are no cases of straight men having it right and then like, okay, not that we know, but not because they, that didn't exist. They just weren't looking, looking for it in straight men and straight women and, or even lesbian women, they weren't looking for it in women at all. And so the guy's like, okay, well, if straight men can't get it, then okay, I'm good here. We're, we're good here. You can, you can go ahead and leave now. But, oh but that was a very real thought. And that's kind of the whole, the whole thing It's like, because it, the understanding was this is only affecting gay men. Well, then, you know, and because the early assumption was this is caused by, you know, you've destroyed your immune system through too many STDs and intravenous drug use and the use of poppers. It's like, oh, well, because you've done all that stuff for years and years and years, your body just can't fight off infection anymore. So that's what it is. It wasn't until later that they discovered it was a virus. And then even for like over a year, they denied that that was, you know, they didn't even give any credit to that to that discovery. I think it was in like France or something like that, but the U S didn't acknowledge that. Um, so anyway, that was another thing that I wanted to, that I wanted to point out that they did really well showing poli- Yes. This was again, to go back to the politics of it, but politically this wasn't important because it didn't affect straight white men who held high office, who really had the power to do something at that time. I also liked, we talked about it a little bit, the difference between the two, the, the, two approaches between Ned's approach and like Bruce and the other guys and their approach. And there's room for both to be right. I think, you know, a lot of times Ned did just kind of bulldoze over. And he's like, you're not brave. You're a coward. You're weak. And it's like, I just had to, me and his mom had to put my lover into a car, take him to be cremated. You <laughs> know, I've lost three of them. I'm starting to wonder if I'm the problem here. It's like, it's not that I'm weak, <laughs> but Something that he says in one speech is kind of like some people have a little bit more of a privilege to come out than other people. He tells, "No, like you have money, your brothers invested for you, you're successful in your career, you can do and say what you want. The rest of us need our jobs, and so we can't do it in that way." So I really like that they brought that in um, as well. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll be quiet.
2: No, don't (laughs) apologize at all. That was great. No, thank. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's. Nobody wanted to look at this. And even I want to say even like if you look at like Ryan White, it was a very famous case that the kid Ryan White, who got it from a blood transfusion. And even with him, little kid, he was ostracized, too, and treated like crap. Um, And even when women did when they started, you know, publicly talking about women getting it too, the women were treated horribly, too, for a long time. I mean, people thought you could get it from a toilet seat. Uh, people thought you could get it from touching someone, shaking hands, something like that. And so because of that, people were treated like they were just ostracized and treated like they weren't human beings anymore. That's the thing is people were treated like they weren't human. And I do think, you know, and of course the big, big, big overarching theme to that, the big theme with that is the homophobia. And the fear of that, and and saying, "Well, this is what you get." And uh, a lot of very high up people, it, religious figures, were saying this was God doing this because God was angry at uh, gay people. So He's like, "I am going to give this to you," which is just a disgusting and very unChrist-like behavior. By the way, <laughs> I mean, you know, we talked about their uh, Tammy Faye Baker. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize how supportive of the lgbtqia plus community tammy fay baker was and she was one of the first people to have a gay man on her show and he wasn't like he wasn't in the studio because he couldn't be there so it was like they were she was he was on a tv and she even was like i wish i could hug you and she was trying to do it so she could show she's like you know the uh, Christians, we as Christians in the Christian church, we're all turning our backs on you. We should not be doing that. And no, uh, she was like treated like crap because of that, because she wasn't, allowed, you know, that was not okay. We, as Christians, are not supposed to be supporting people, She's which being is such too Christian, Exactly. Thank you, Jen. That's exactly what she was doing. She was being too <laughs> Christian, which is not allowed. <laughs> it's so ridiculous the hypocrisy
0: how dare you try to be (laughs) christ-like
2: like oh no i know because in my opinion for sure jesus would be would have been sitting by the bedsides of these men dying and would have been holding their hands and that's what you see so clearly in here is is the fear the overwhelming fear and the fear within the community, you know, like you mentioned, Ishel, with with Albert and Bruce, and with Bruce having that hesitation of not wanting to kiss Albert and also the guilt in Bruce's face when that happens. And and then you watch the other things of of you know them being so afraid of being found out that they had it and when Albert's doing the fashion show and he's walking and he's got all the makeup on to try and cover it up. And, and then afterwards when he's looking and, you know, he's like, Oh, did that really happen? And the way that's shot later afterwards, when you're just seeing him in the mirror and it's like little, it's kind of fragmented is really beautiful. And I think in a way captures a lot of pain that a lot of men were going through when they had AIDS and that fear of losing their livelihood and their not only just their life, but their livelihood and their lovers and their friends and their family, um, you know, cause a lot of men who were dying, their family wouldn't even have anything to do with them. Their family didn't want to be there. Their family didn't even want to deal with giving them a proper burial. And a lot of times they weren't allowed a proper burial. And it's just so shameful what this country did. It's so shameful what politicians did. It's so shameful what people in the medical community did. It's just so shameful. And it's still, I think it still happens. I think people still do view AIDS in this way. I think there still are people that view that that way that view it as like, oh well, we're not going to deal with, with you because you're being punished by God or because you are a gay man, you deserve this kind of crap like that. I think that still goes on sometimes. So it's just, it's so, so sad. And then also I do understand why a lot of these men were hesitant to give up sex and give up their sexual freedom because they had fought so hard for that because, and at this time it was still Illegal. And it still is illegal, I think, in some states, but it still was illegal there. You know, having sex was illegal. And being together had been illegal for so long. And so I think for a lot of gay men, it was like, wait a minute, you want us to again go back in the closet, so to speak? And so I understood that frustration too. And it was a lot of unknowns. And when you don't have the medical community really backing it and saying anything, I think sometimes that can be another thing where people are like, well, then it's not that it's not that big of a deal. Then what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Are you just trying to, again, like have this like propaganda of that we shouldn't be having sex and we shouldn't have lovers and we shouldn't, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, what's interesting is when you watch Emma get so frustrated with Ned when ned is dating felix and then discover that felix has aids and there's that moment of her frustration of like damn it i told you not to do this i told you not to have sex with anyone because you know until we figure this out and him even saying well i can't not you know love and how are we not supposed to not love and you know and and watching you know like i said the struggle in the community but i think there was also some prejudice within the community as well and then that fear and you know, I think you see that you see that even uh queers folk talked about that. And that was the early 2000s. And you had that with the character of Ben and having some of the fear in within that group of friends. Um, So, yeah, I think it's still there. It still exists. It's a little bit better. But but I think this film overall handles it tremendously well. And I think we need even more films talking about this, honestly, because yeah. I think if we forget our history, you know, we're always doomed to repeat it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I'm sorry, I'm going to let us move on. But one other thing it talks about was that denial, because with Albert, while he's looking at the spots on his face, it's like, but I haven't lost any weight and I don't have this and I don't Mm -hmm. have that, like all these other things. And so there was immediately this thing to try to distance themselves from it. Like, no, 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 I, I I don't have that. And I know through Ben's character, Uh, that's when steroid use was pretty popular because that prevented wasting. And so it's like, I'm going to try to bulk up and gain a lot of weight. Nobody will think I'm sick. They won't look at me any different. Nobody will know. I'll put on some makeup to cover up these spots. And so that was something else that it did show us, that I don't want anybody to know that I am sick or think that I'm sick because of what that, that might mean for me. So I felt like there were so many little ways through so many different characters that they painted a pretty broad picture. Now, of course, it probably doesn't encompass everything, but a pretty broad picture of what all was going on during that time. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah. Okay, so this is just personal thoughts and feelings that I want to know how you feel, as as deep as you feel comfortable going or you want to go, on how the United States in particular responded to the crisis, and do you think things have improved or how have they improved, Aisha?
0: Well, they did not respond to it for a long time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, will, <Yeah. laughs> I will say that. And there was really no kind of push to, it's only those from what, and I don't know everything, of course, but I'm very, very, for whatever reason, drawn to, because I, I felt like it was such an, a missed opportunity to, for to show some decency and humanity and compassion. So I'm just very drawn to Learning a lot about what happened then, so that we don't repeat. Or at least I don't. No one in my circle of influence can repeat what happened then. But it seems like the there were only a few kind of oddball, I guess you could say, scientists and doctors or whatever who were willing to say, "Hmm, this seems interesting. What's going on here?" But it still had that reputation of, "Oh, why are you like any? You became if you worked with patients. Your the majority of your work was with patients who had." a lot of STDs or whatever, they call you like a gonorrhea doctor. And it's just like, oh, nobody takes the gonorrhea doctor seriously. Just, you know, that sort of thing. And so if you have, there was a female doctor and I wish I could remember her name, but she was kind of working on some of this and like this all, all this stuff seems very interesting. There's something going on here, but nobody wanted to listen to her because she was a gonorrhea doctor. And so nobody cared about that. Nobody wanted to touch it. Definitely when at the time it seemed like it was only affecting, affecting gay men. And so, they had to work a whole lot harder. She talks about how she was in this, I think maybe it's like a hotel room or something. And she's collecting these blood samples and she's interviewing these these gay men and they're telling her about how many partners they had. And it might be like, oh, in my lifetime, I've had 2000 partners, same-sex partners. And so she's jotting this stuff down for just research purposes, trying to get all the facts that she can to see if we can come to some type of conclusion here. And so she's writing this and people are reading her research. It's like, these men are just bragging or they're lying or they're doing whatever. And she's like, no, they're just trying to help me paint a picture to figure out what's going on. And so because of all this other stuff associated with what they thought it meant to be a gay man, nobody was really saying, okay, what do we do with, with this information and with these facts? And because they were called, like putting so much emphasis on the gay side of it, then you had people who weren't coming in for treatment because they're like, there's no way I have that because I'm not gay. There's a story I heard about one patient and he he came in and he was presenting some of the like the pneumonia and a couple other things that seemed to be pretty common symptoms. And he's like, no, because I'm not gay. I'm not gay. And they were like, you're lying to us. You're lying. What's wrong with you? You're lying. And he's like, No, I'm not gay. Well, come to find out, he was a drug user and he would sometimes turn tricks to get money for his habit. And so it was either through sexual intercourse or drug use that he might have contracted it. But anyway, it just became this very weird thing and how nobody wanted to take the research seriously. Nobody wanted to take the science seriously. And so, yeah, I just feel like they did a horrible job. And it's just like, how many people have to die before you realize this is a problem? The other day, and, not to get too political, but the other day I was watching something on the news, and uh, I'm not saying you need to be pro mask, anti mask, but um, they were talking about masking of children, and then the lady was like, "Oh yeah, but only like zero, like point zero zero four seven percent of children under the age of nine die from this," and I was like, "If your child was in that point zero zero four seven, that would be, you know, that would mean a little more to you." And it's just like, why are numbers too small to matter when it's human lives and you don't know how far reaching this thing could be? So that was all very frustrating (laughs) to see that not only in this movie, but to know that that's what happened in the real world, that they weren't doing anything. And then I think it was maybe 85 or 86 before AZT came around. But then like who the heck could afford it? A lot of people were getting Mm -hmm. dropped from their insurance. So they wouldn't have to pay for it. And then them playing around with the prices on the medicine to milk these people for every dollar they had. So yeah, it was just, it was all of that to say it was handled pretty freaking terribly. In my opinion.
2: Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just a Chad terribly. Yes, yes, yes. And never worry about getting political on here. So, (laughs) and also to add, and also that kid could be infecting other people that could, Uh, oh anyway Uh, so jen
1: (laughs) they did a great job no not at all they like i said they fucked up holy shit did they fuck up and it's just it's kind of like watching this movie i've never been so mad at medical professionals as i was while watching this movie and Kind of knowing that that's really how it was viewed through it's one thing for a politician to be like eh whatever i don't know shit um it's another for doctors and nurses to be completely dismissive it's that is fucking scary right and it's like no wonder politicians weren't going to do shit about it because even the doctors weren't taking it seriously and even the few that did they weren't taken seriously because of their field that they were already specialists in. So it's so frustrating to watch them like humans treat other humans so fucking horribly. That's what I don't understand. So I'm just like, humans are garbage. We just replace us with dogs. Dogs are the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. And I guess like, you know, with that, have things improved? Have they improved? you know if you if you don't know a lot about it or follow it for whatever reasons the assumption always is yes right you you hope things have gotten better you hope things have improved but like for me personally i don't really know you know they the news stops reporting on it stops reporting on the daily cases or how many people have been diagnosed or have have passed away from it and if the media isn't reporting on it and we're kind of left up to ourselves, like even pre-internet to look into it, we're, people aren't going to, right? Like for whatever reasons, you know, people get overstimulated with bad news or, and whatnot, or they have to kind of be careful of how much bad news they do consume. Eventually these quote, these problems quote, go away. They don't go away, but they're not in our mind front. They're not right there where we're seeing them every day. And then, general public just goes about their life until it affects them. And it's like, at some point we become comfortable with so many deaths per day, per year. You know, I was, I did a quick Google search and in 2019, about 690,000 people out of 38 million diagnosed with AIDS, 38 million people diagnosed with AIDS out of that 690,000 died from AIDS in that year. That's still a lot of fucking people. That's 690,000 families and friends, you know, that are mourning that loss. And in 2019, so it's, do I, do I hope things have gotten better? Absolutely. But I, I don't, I can't with first cert, any kind of certainty say that they have, I mean, yes, we've, you know, we've got like the new medications, there's kind of more recently, the the news of, you know, some good news regarding it. Mm-hmm. But up until then, I can't remember the last time I heard any news report, anything about AIDS or HIV. And then, you know... COVID comes along, and there's some similarities. It's not exactly the same, and I'm not trying to compare the two to be the same, but there are similarities. There's the denial. There's the, it can't affect me. It only affects these people. It's the dismissiveness of human lives. Oh, well, only only old people and disabled people get it? Eh, fuck off. (laughs) It's someone's grandparent, family, friend. Again, these are fucking people. Uh, So, like I said, my hope is that things have gotten better, but I can't with any kind of certainty really say that it has because 690,000 people in 2019 still seems like a very, 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 very fucking high number for 40 Hmm. years of research and everything. So it's, it's still very heartbreaking. And I didn't realize that the number was that fucking high until I looked it up this morning. And I was like, well, that was... A bad um, idea. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh I'm so I went on I got on a rant and I didn't talk about the second part of her question. That's okay. <laughs> about, that's okay. I'm just, sorry. That's and then I lost myself three times during my rant. But anyway, I did want to say to speak to has it gotten better? I think of course the medication has, but even that makes you a little curious. Um, <laughs> but uh because they do have prep now and things like that. And so the the medication has gotten a whole lot better and that's responsible for, even though people are still being infected with it nearly every day, the deaths have gone down quite a bit by people who regularly take their medication and do all this other stuff to try to be as healthy as possible. So there have been improvements there, but something I thought about from some stupid movie that I watched the other day was about uh, the guy who hiked the, the rate of the medicine up like overnight from, it was like $12 a tablet and he re- hiked up to like $750 and says like, you're still exploiting that community. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of stuff has not gotten better. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily feel like it's that society or even politics at large have become more compassionate toward the gay and lesbian community and trans and all the other letters communities I think it's just like they kind of had to do something, but also everybody knows big pharma is big money. And so, you know, there was kind of money for them in creating something that was going to, you know, possibly be some type of treatment or whatever, but hopefully potentially a cure someday. But uh, this is like things have gotten better on the medical side, but there's some other things that maybe have not gotten better. You see commercials now for. Truvada and the other types of medicine. And so that's really like they try to kind of not normalize, but kind of take out some of that stigma by having commercials like that on television. And so little things like that do kind of help, but you still get comments about commercials like that. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, yes, there has been some progress medically speaking, but there's still a whole lot to go politically and just the way society kind of embraces different in other.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned the medica- the commercials for the medications, and I remember the first time seeing that. I was like, I-, I turned to my husband, and I was like, well, look at that. It's gotten to the point now where there's a medication for it, a commercial being run late at night, which you know is going to be recalled in class action lawsuit in a few years, just like, just like the NuvaRing and like every other thing. I wish... I wish I would have started keeping a list of all the late night uh, medicine commercials and then kept another list of however many of them are now in class action lawsuits or have been recalled because it's a big number. So in a joking way, we're just like, oh, look, things have, quote, gotten better because, you know, in a remove the stigma type of, type of way, because we're like, look, now there's a medication that I don't remember if it was FDA approved or not, but. It's like, you see all these commercials on TV for medications and shit. And they're like, talk to your doctor about a medicine you saw on TV. Brilliant idea. Um, Where I'm just like, yeah, now it's going to get recalled. So I guess that's <laughs> an advancement. And again, being completely sarcastic
2: and just kind of a shit at like 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ishal and Jen have summed this up pretty perfectly. There's not much I can add. I do want to say with the COVID thing, I do want to add really quickly, I have said this before, a lot of gay men that were around during that time really get upset with comparing this to COVID because it's not the same. The response is not the same. I mean, I I, I get the the whole like, you know, yes, there is that thing of like being like, well, it's just elderly and disabled. So who cares about that? There is that. Dis- that's disgusting. That's absolutely disgusting. But the medical community didn't react the same Mm -hmm. at all. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. So yeah,
0: yeah. lots of straight people were getting COVID. So of course not.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I mean, oh my god. I never mind. I don't even want to put put that out there. But yeah. So uh, so yeah. Uh, Ronald Reagan not wanting to even say AIDS, and then when he finally did. Just like a year later, he called and he said he was going to advance and have more funding. And just the next year, he cut the funding. So that show that tells you everything you need to know. Ronald Reagan was a horrible person anyway. But that is so disgusting <laughs> uh, to do that, to be like, okay, I'm going to finally acknowledge this. And then the very next thing you do is to cut the funding, which a lot of politicians do that. A lot of people do that. It's gross but sadly it happens. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the way it was handled was horrible. The way I think it's still handled is horrible. I think was, didn't they say at the end of this, it was like 60,000 new cases a day or something like that. It was a high, high number. I think a lot of people feel like this is over. I really do. I think people think because so many people are living with it instead of just dying from it. I think people think that means it's over, mm-hmm. but it's not. <laughs> people it's- think COVID is over. Well, so <laughs> people get complacent and think, okay, since we're at a point where people are more are acknowledging it more, and there's more medications, and it looks like we might actually have a huge breakthrough here. I think when that happens, people kind of go, okay, it's over. We're all okay now. Everything's going back to normal. Ugh. And obviously, from Jen's statistic and from the statistic of how many people are diagnosed every day, clearly that hasn't happened. So it still is something that I think we, I, I think, while I think there isn't as much stigma necessarily around it, I think there is still stigma, but oh, yeah. not as much. I think we have gotten so complacent about it now that we don't think it's a big deal anymore. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. when you do that, well, we all know what happens when you do that. So I I mean, I'm very, very grateful for some of the stuff that has happened and for some of the stuff that looks like it's happened and for, and you know, science is amazing and incredible. Believe in science, everybody. But at the same time, it's scary to me how complacent we have kind of gotten about it. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Because yeah. it's still a very, very real thing still is out there. So, and it still is something we should be taking seriously and looking into and trying to do something about and help more. So, yeah. And it. And once again, I think, again, as I've said before, I think the biggest disease in this country is capitalism. And I think the reaction to this is also another symptom of capitalism in a lot of respects. I mean, as far as like with pharma and big pharma and all that stuff and raising the prices and pricing people out of getting the care that they so desperately need, you know, it's like money is over human lives all the Mm -hmm. time in this country and it's disgusting. So, yeah.
0: I almost wonder if any of the gay men during the 80s felt this sense of almost vindication when they found out it was actually a virus and not something that just is spontaneously produced when two gay men have sex or not just from using poppers or whatever when it was like this is a virus that exists in the blood and this is now a scientific thing this isn't a lifestyle or behavior type of thing it may be transmitted through your behavior but this thing itself is actually a virus i wonder because they were being so attacked like this is your fault you caused this you're doing this you're doing nothing to save your own lives because that was so beat into them I just kind of wonder if there was any of that I mean there definitely should have been an apology from the other side it's like hey we thought this was what was causing it but oh we were 100% wrong and so we apologize for that but I don't know I just I might not be using the right word or um Maybe relief or something like that is better than than vindication. But I just kind of wondered if there was any of that when science did make some advancements.
2: Yeah, and I, I don't know. No, I think that's good, and I think vindication is the right word for that because that is like, it is you know that is vindication. It's like we've been telling you it's not you know it's not it's not because of who we are. This is a virus, and so I'm sure there was. I don't know though. So yeah, I don't. I I
1: imagine that there. Are maybe was you know that feeling of vindication but then maybe also again just like a whole basket of emotions of like yes yes vindicated but also at the same time like really wish this could have come sooner this should Mm -hmm. have come sooner so maybe still some anger with it but also a bit of relief of now it's finally being acknowledged so now we can maybe hopefully move forward with some positive advancements that's that's just a big wild
0: guess But yeah, I think that's maybe how I would have felt. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, well, because they had reduced it down to what was it called? Like the four H's, like homosexuals, heroin users, Haitians and hemophiliacs. Like that's who that's who gets it. And so just yeah. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so just to kind of put that out there, like these are the four H's. These are basically like these are public enemies number one, two, three, and four, like stay away from these people. And then to have hard science come in and prove that, Hey, that's really got nothing to do with it. (laughs) It's really this virus right here. I, yeah, I just kind of wonder, I got to talk to somebody about that (laughs) because I'm very fascinated by that. Yeah,
2: no, I'd be curious to know too. Now I want to know too. I want to research that too. So yeah. And if anybody listening Has any feedback on that as well, or knows anything? Please feel free to let us know. And you know, you can email the show, you can tell us on on any social media too. So yeah, I'd be curious because, and I and I once again, I think vindication is the right word there because that is how you would feel. But I think, like you said, Jen, you'd also feel that anger too of like, yeah, we fucking told you, you know, and you waited this long, and how many of us had to die before you even fucking care. You know, so yeah, yeah. So I think it's a combination, yeah. Well, I just want to thank both of you. I think this has been a great and important conversation and I hope everyone listening enjoyed it. And if you listen to this and you haven't seen the movie, please go watch the movie. Uh it, And I would love to see the play. I would love to see the stage version of this too someday. So I think this is a very important topic. And I think... You know we you know like i said we've gotten too complacent so let's not forget that this is still something happening um so yes so thank you both so much so we'll go ahead and we'll close out and you can both tell everybody where they can find your amazing podcasts Ichelle.
0: uh yeah so i am michelle i am a co-host of liberty diner dish i co-host with my boo and one of my very best friends named ken and our show covers uh, we do an episode by episode commentary of Queer as Folk, not the new one that's coming out, but we'll probably talk about that one sometime soon. Uh, but we are on, I think all social media platforms and we are at Liberty Diner Dish, except for Twitter. We are at Diner Dish because our name was too long to fit. So that is where you can, you can find us and me and Aaron. Thank you so much for letting me be on this one, this um, it's very important to me for uh, for several reasons. And so I really it's really an honor to be on this episode with you.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Seriously, thank you. Thank you. And go listen. If you're a Queer as Folk fan and you are not listening to Liberty Diner Dish, I don't understand that because honestly, it's like the best. I don't know how there are a bunch of Queer as Folk podcasts, but it's the best Queer as Folk podcast out there. So I love it. And I love especially the fact that this is the first time Ken has watched the show. So that's so entertaining watching his thoughts and, and seeing how the show holds up. And oh, I'm so mixed on, on the queer Folk revival, but it looks like it I have representation I, so keep, I
0: you know. know. I keep saying I like it, but it's not what I ordered. So <laughs> I know. <I'm> like, <laughs> I, like, it's cool. like, I like the idea of representation and diversity. So I have to support and promote it, but it is definitely not what I ordered. <laughs>
2: So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where's Brian? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Where's Emmett? Uh, yeah. So Jen, where can they find you and your podcast? So they can follow the uh, podcast on the old tweeters there
1: uh, at Streaming Bubble, and I'm also on Facebook and Instagram under as uh, My Streaming Bubble, and then the podcast itself can be found on all streaming platforms. But pandora i'm not letting that go i'm gonna say it i'm gonna say it every fucking time um (laughs) i uh and i i have to echo uh too thank you for having me on today as well and having this conversation this movie is so fucking good and it's it's so important and it's it's important to me as a straight asian woman i think Everyone needs to watch this movie, everyone, especially if they weren't alive during this time to have experienced it and seen it uh, to kind of to go back and kind of get that feeling and that understanding that the government fucked up and and just how sad and tragic and sangry, sangry, that whole kind of time period was. So thank you for having me on and having letting me be a part of this conversation. It was very, very good. Yeah, I think that's it. Right. I I said my things. Okay. I started getting a little rambly and I'm like, oh boy, I'm having a Michael Scott moment where I'm just going to keep going and hopefully everything pans out. All right.
2: Thank you. Thank you both. Again, seriously, this has been a great conversation, I think so about a very, very important film and yeah. And it's nice to talk about stuff when we're talking about Ryan Murphy, that is very positive. I mean, not positive because of what happened, but positive because of the quality of it and how important it is to discuss. So thank you both again. And this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at eAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom pod. On Twitter at fandom pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom pod. On TikTok at it's a fandom pod. We also have a beautiful, amazing website. It's a fandom So check that out. It's amazing. I'm just going to keep singing its praises because Aaron A. did such an incredible job. So you can go there. You can find out how to support us by either buying merch in our Redbubble store or which we've got to somehow create a Ryan Murphy thing thing in there. I mean, it just seems like it's I mean, we have our Finn one, but we still need to create a Ryan Murphy thing one, I think. I mean, hello. Uh, So you can support us there. Or were you going to say something about that?
1: I I was just going to say like a like a. Uh, collage of all of his types and then something <laughs> that quote of like he has a type or I have a type or something like that put all them beautiful brunettes on a mug <laughs>
2: yeah that, that picture of the five there yeah. yes yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, or even just like faceless, but just kind of brunette and then the eye color, like just the hair and the eyes. (laughs) It's like insert whoever, as long as they fit this, these two main things, like insert
2: whoever. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, I'll have to to tell Aaron that, yeah, (laughs) that that would work. And we love all those actors. It's it's just true. (laughs) He has the same type I have. So that's why I keep watching his dang (laughs) shows. I think
0: this is my first time to see Matt Boomer in something. I want to throw that out there I think so oh (laughs) dear that face Yeah, (laughs) sorry (laughs) Karen is like how have we been friends for this long
2: (laughs) but uh, yeah I think this is my first Matt Boomer movie yeah go watch White Collar go watch he's in Doom Patrol which I I have to say okay because I gave I gave my Finn crew such a hard time yesterday about (laughs) not watching American Crime Story I, I will admit, I have not watched Doom Patrol, so I guess I could take my Matt Boomer card away.
0: <laughs> boomer, I think it's the Boomer, sorry.
2: I said I want Boomer, for I not people to episode. come after
0: me. They'll come after you. I don't want them to. <laughs> oh,
1: it was the cringiest thing, and I tried to
2: cut it out wherever I could, and I couldn't. And I'm just I like, know. I don't have
0: to let it go.
1: Oh
2: mm-hmm. my God. <laughs> but yeah, you should watch that, and then you should watch White Collar that goes to a <laughs> table. And I'll watch Doom Patrol. <laughs> but no, he's yeah, I, I love him. I love him. So yeah, I, and um the boys in the band, which we'll probably cover next year, he's in that one too, and he's really good in that one. So I uh I love him so so much. And go watch Magic Mike. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't know he was in that. I haven't seen that either. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Just watch the one clip. <laughs> Yes, Uh, But feel free to go to the website If you want to support us If you want to become a Patreon subscriber For as little as three bucks a month We are journeying even further with Ryan Murphy With American Horror Story Jen is joining me on that journey uh, Along with my Finn crew Is what I am calling them all now And that's Aaron A, Susie And Chrissy, the newest member Of our Finn crew And we already did Seasons one and two, that's a three hour and two minute episode (laughs) And next up, we are recording this in May. We are doing seasons three and four, which you know what that means. Season four, the introduction of Finn Whitrock into the Murphyverse, playing the most entitled, spoiled, rich white boy, Dandy Mott, which I posted this on my Twitter, but please go watch this video called Learning Your ABCs with Dandy Mott because it is absolutely hysterical. And also I will be posting... Uh, Dandy Mott having tantrums for two minutes because that's what he does, and Matt bomer's in that one too. Yes, yeah, so we don't like that character, but he's amazing in that performance. So, yep. So head on over there, and then next week we are wrapping up our little brief Ryan Murphy celebration with a look at Hollywood, and which is very Ryan Murphy. So we are back to very Ryan Murphy, uh, except it's not as weird and twisty. And then 911, which I am just gonna be upset forever that I'm so loving this show. I'm done, I'm all caught up, but damn it, why do I love this show? <laughs> But, and both of those are going to be live streams and maybe Michelle will be there if she wants to do a live stream. I don't know. She seems a little bit hesitant. I understand. She's like, oh, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure yet right now. By the time this is dropped, we will know what day and times those will be on. So keep a lookout for that and we'll be giving away, you know, podcast merch. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black lives matter and stop Asian hate.